From coast to coast to coast, you're you're listening listening to to Terra Informa. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Hannah Cunningham. Uh, My name is Elizabeth Dowdell. And my name is Carter Gorzitza. And we're going to be your host for the next half an hour of environmental news and storytelling. We would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, a campus and community recording studio located in Edmonton, Alberta. We are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. Today we're reflecting on our relationship to the environment and some of the big headlines from 2019. And we of course would like to acknowledge the historic and ongoing efforts of many Indigenous land protectors and activists, historically and today, acting in the Canadian state. Uh, Today, as we discuss our own relationships to the land and the environment and environmentalism, obviously those kind of all exist within treaty land and within the state here, so we invite our listeners to think about how those two kind of things interact as well. So, after taking a couple weeks off for the holiday season, we're excited to be back with our first episode of 2020. Woo! Woo! 2019 was a huge year for environmental news, with massive movements and protests demanding action on climate change taking place all over the world. And we received tons of warnings and reports from scientists from all over the world additionally talking about the increasingly dire circumstances of climate change. To start off the new year, we wanted to do a bit of a recap of 2019, with a focus on what gave us hope, made us optimistic, connected, or empowered us through nature and the environment. Today we're all here in the studio to discuss some of our favorite environmental moments of the past year. Start us off, um, Carter and Elizabeth, what uh, were maybe some of your top personal moments of nature connectivity from 2019? Um, So one of the moments that really stood out for me, usually I do like a a trip or a field school and I spend a lot of time in nature and I didn't really do that this year. Um, I spent a lot of time in cities. So the one time I got away was a little three-day weekend out to Maine Island with my sister for her like bachelorette party. Uh, And it wasn't wild. It wasn't like crazy or raunchy or in any way. That's not my sister. Um, It was really quiet, reflective time. We went hiking in the rain for most of it. Uh, But after sort of two or three days of rain, the sun finally kind of broke out. And it was just sort of the evening time. And we were like, let's go see this sunset from the beach. So we ran down to our beach. Uh, that's closest to us where we're staying in the cabin we rented. And sure enough, the sun has already set past that corner of the beach. And instead of finding this beautiful golden sunset on the island, uh, we found a baby deer carcass being eaten by three turkey vultures. Now, that may not sound very, like, connecting, but my sister um, has been on, like, anytime she meditates or she does sort of a um, visualizations of herself, she sees herself as a deer, So it was this really incredible moment of suddenly being like, whoa, Virginia, is that the old you dying? And are you being reborn right now? Like, are you letting go of this past life or like your life before marriage? And like she'd have like a rough planning a wedding is hard. She's really stressed out. We'd had like a moment of like needing to decompress earlier in the day um, and let some feelings out. So it was just like this really beautiful moment of here's this kind of grotesque 
real nature moment uh, with like this deep personal significance. Then we jumped in a car, drove to the other side of the island and watched the most beautiful, perfect sunset. So yeah, great, great nature moment. Nature, life, death, rebirth, the beauty of the cycle. Everything sort of supports everything. Um, And I never get to go to the coast. So yeah, yeah. That was my great nature moment. Very connected. That's super fun. I really like that. And didn't you like, no one got any pictures of it or anything because everyone had like... Yeah, we all just ran out of the house (laughs) to catch sunset. No one had a phone. No one had anything. And then we had this perfect, really beautiful um, moment where like none of us were on our devices. None of us were connecting to anything other than sort of each other and nature. And for the whole sunset part, like the four of us just sat there quietly watching these gorgeous like pink clouds and this gorgeous like orange golden pink fade to this like maroon into this like periwinkle like just these beautiful colors and just watching before that this deer just being like picked at and the waves sort of come in and come out and the birds kind of hop around and then more birds and then less birds and then oh another bird oh and a different bird oh and then less birds so yeah really just like in the moment sort of visceral in a really beautiful way that's super awesome I love that I didn't prepare too, too well today, but um, your dead carcass story made me remember <laughs> my, <laughs> uh, also a story that includes a dead carcass <laughs> um, and sunset. So really similar Ooh. connections to nature here. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, um, me and a fellow Terran informer, uh, Amanda Rooney, we both worked out at Dinosaur Provincial Park this summer. So I was outside a lot <laughs> just doing outdoorsy things. So lots of different connections there. But I think a really big thing that stood out was early on in the summer, we all had a weekend off together. So we did a big canoe trip from Drumheller to Dino. We had like three days off. And it's like, if the river's good, you can do it in three days, which it's a really slow river. So it didn't actually, we did make it in three days, but it was exhausting. And we had to canoe a lot. (laughs) Um, But uh, as we're going, we made it through our first day. It was fine. Our second day was good, but we were just pulling up to our second we were just going under our last bridge before our second night of camping so it was like probably around 9 9 30 p.m like the sun's just starting to set but it's like kind of like hot southern alberta so it's kind of like really yellow and uh we're canoeing along really really tired looking for a place to camp out and we look down and we're like oh my gosh that's a great blue heron coming up like it's on the beach like get ready like this is so exciting and it's like we're like wow it's letting us get so close and as we get closer we're like oh my gosh I think it's dead. <laughs> and then we looked and this gray blue heron was like sitting there in this like really scary position. Like it looked like, it, cause it looked like it was alive. Like it was sitting on the ground, but it had been like, it like was like frozen, but it was very dead. Uh, it just might be maybe how they die. I have no idea. Um, so we're like, oh my God, a dead gray blue heron. That's the worst, <laughs> the worst kind of thing. We're just like, this is something evil's going on. And we like, could see like there's barely any trees around but the couple trees there is there's like this weird metal tree house thing and it was just really spooky we're like this is a bunch of like this is the beginning of a horror movie we're set up camp there's this weird tower thing in a tree and we're going a little bit farther and then there's this goose just sitting on this other thing and it's just staring at us and we're like oh my gosh another dead bird (laughs) and then we're like what environmental catastrophe is happening right now? And me and Amanda are like, oh, my God, like all of the birds are dying. We have to like call someone about all the dead birds. And then we got close to the goose and the goose was like and like flew at us. So we we're like, oh, my gosh, yay. It's not dead. <laughs> so we like keep going like for one minute and we're like looking off at our left and there's this tree. And I like see 
another great blue heron, but this one's alive and flying. So we're like, oh, this one's going into this tree. And we are looking at the tree and we're getting closer. And it's the trees haven't fully like fledged yet or like their leaves weren't out. So you could see in the tree. And I was like, oh, like there's a heron in that tree. And as we get closer, we're like, oh, there's another heron. Oh, like maybe three herons. And as we get closer and closer and closer, we realize this entire tree, which looks like suspiciously full, is full of hundreds of great blue herons just sitting in this tree. And they were like standing really still. So they all look like branches. But then you could see like if you just looked around in the sky, you could see like birds flying in and flying out and all these herons standing. I was oh, wow. so it was just like so clearly I guess that dead one was probably just like an old heron that was living with its family, but my friend who was there I knows lots about birds Fiona Spitzig, uh, and she was saying that it was a, a heron rookery or similar to that like a big heron house and I guess lots of great blue herons do like live com- in companionship like in like large groups during like the evenings and stuff but they just like fly out to their own areas during the day and that's why you always see them alone usually. Yeah, so it was, like, really cool. We, like, boated by. It was definitely, like, my most favorite moment. And then I we got back and, like, told our, all of our friends about this rookery, and apparently they're, like, super common around Vancouver. So it, like, kind of ruined it. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, we see them everywhere on buildings. But in southern Alberta, you don't see that many of them. So Yeah, no kidding. That was definitely a moment. And then, yeah. Wow. It was a pretty good time. That's so cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, I don't, I was trying to think if I have a carcass story. I'm trying, I don't know if I. Uh, Death and rebirth, it's the new year. I, Tell me about your carcasses. There's like a tiny carcass in this story. It's not <laughs> as exciting. Um, but um, I think this year, um, I didn't really like get out as much this summer into like different, like out of the city places as I usually do. But what I did do is lots of like, evening and like super early morning um running on this one trail that is like right beside the river near where I live and I sort of like developed this weird relationship with this beaver who would always like that's obviously like where it came in and out um from going in to the forested part of the bank and then into the river so I have scared this beaver in the morning so many times (laughs) I and I feel so and it scares me back so I'll be running it's pretty early I'm usually like pretty like half asleep still um and then I get up and this beaver will like quickly like to like run out of the way to try and get back to the bank but then I'm there on the trail so then it's kind of stuck halfway so then I have to like slowly back up and like back away from this beaver and we both do this awkward shuffle to like where we're wanting to go. <laughs> and I saw him probably like six times this past summer. So um yeah, that that was pretty cool. I've never like consistently seen besides like rabbits in my front yard wildlife in that way. So that's kind of fun. On the same trail, I've seen just like multiple like fish carcasses that birds are obviously like getting out of the water, so <laughs> That's the only uh, <laughs> really a pole the there for the car- carcass. <laughs> <laughs> really reaching for this. I was carcass. really trying. I'm trying to. I don't think I've seen anything like big and dead. Okay, excuse me. I would like to interject and say that half of Hannah's life right now is transporting deer heads. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So well, so lots of dead carcasses. Pick up the deer heads. <laughs> take those them for <laughs> You're That's not a cool the find. The most familiar with carcass. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think just like 
there's something cool about being out like in the wee hours like especially now in the winter if I go out in the morning it's like dark and there's no one outside so it's kind of a nice just like and I don't listen to music because I'm scared of being snatched so (laughs) it's just me and the sounds of outside in the morning which is kind of nice so yeah that's probably like where I felt the most connected in 2019. Do you think we're going to see, like, more connection in 2020? Less connection? <laughs> more carcasses? Less carcasses? Ooh. I'm hearing that there's a yearning for nature, so I would hope that all of us satisfy that yearning, that that is something that, you know, Hannah, you and I were both missing this year. Mm-hmm. Carter, you literally worked in a provincial park and spent all of your time outside in nature, so maybe not such a yearning, but... I'll stay inside for this. <laughs> <laughs> See what the other side is like. <laughs> cool. So one of our next questions... Uh, if we're ready for the next one, is uh, when did you feel the most empowered sort of around the, like, environment or environmental activism or just, like, the future in general in 2019? Um, I, I could start. Yeah, I, I'll start this yeah. one. Um, it's kind of hard to, like, pinpoint empowerment in 2019, but I feel like definitely, like, walking away from 2019 was, like, a year uh, both globally and personally for myself, that I felt, like, very empowered and very, uh, like, mobilized or, like, a lot of agency um, in my own kind of day-to-day life. A lot of that started with, like, you have organizations like Climate Justice Edmonton really popping up in Edmonton, which I'm a part of to uh, an extent, and, like, those kind of grassroots movements that are really starting to be talked about a lot more and are doing kind of large organizing events, like the different protests and rallies that we've seen have been just like incredibly exciting. I think a really cool one um, was the uh, round dance on Jasper Avenue for uh, solidarity with Eunice Stoughton and the um, RCMP invasions into those lands at that time. That was, I believe that rally was held in either later January, early February of this year. Um, That was a really big one too, because that went from a lot, that was my first time I think ever like helping with civil disobedience things and definitely a, a cool moment to see that many people come out and be on the news. And it was the night of an Oilers game, so people were a little angry. It was really fun. Love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I feel this past year has definitely been a, a time where you see that grassroots and that civil society kind of agency becoming visible on the big sort of global stage. Um, And like locally, especially here in Alberta, that's something I think in past years I felt maybe a little bit mm, disempowered from that here's something I thought was important and I was really engaged with and really cared about and not seeing it be quite as recognized or given um, the legitimacy that it deserves as an issue and feeling a little bit like disengaged because of that over the last couple of years and maybe getting a little bit like cynical about movements or like activism but in the last year for sure that has changed um seeing you know friends or colleagues or people who are acquaintances taking really active leadership roles and saying you know what no let's make this difference and seeing 
how accessible that is. You know, there was um, like Paige Gorsak's campaign and so many people saying I've never seen someone like myself in politics before trying to do something um, in terms of like running for a political party. And that was a moment that was really, I think, crystallizing for me that I was like, yeah, none of us have because we're young people <laughs> who are engaged in the climate crisis. Of course, we're not seeing that in politics. But, you know, now we are and we're seeing those um, people moving into positions of power and Again, in some of those formal and informal spaces that, you know, people care and are engaging and are willing to work together just as people. And that is like so exciting because that's that's open to everyone. And yeah. And you have power. Yeah. I think for me, it was definitely whether it was like through Terranforma or just like friends who were like involved with some of those organizations that we've mentioned. Um, I definitely like went out to and like saw way more like public works of action and like public demonstrations and stuff than I ever really have before. And I think that was really, um, yeah, that was really empowering for me and just sort of, um, yeah, realizing that there are like lots of people in Edmonton who care about the same stuff I care about. Um, I think that I've felt as a young person, like way more empowered this year than I ever have before. Just like, I feel like there's lots of now more recognition about youth climate action and like people way younger than me, obviously now starting to get way more involved with organizing around acting on climate change and stuff like that and working to make sure that we all have a livable future. And I feel like that's been really, that's been really empowering for me. Um, I feel like lots of the time before I felt sort of stuck as like a... I don't know, a student who doesn't necessarily have a lot of, like, pull in many places yet. Like, I I don't really, I never really knew where any sort of, like, agency or power I had really, like, laid before. But, yeah, I feel way more confident in just, like, I'm just a regular person. But that doesn't mean that I can't help create change or stuff like that. So, um, mm. yeah, I feel like that's been really... That's I think been really empowering for me. Mm-hmm. One of those critical things and one of the key themes we're talking about then is like this sense of community that really mm-hmm. coalesced this year and became visible and like tangible for a lot of us. Um, I think for everyone in this room and I think for a lot of other people, a lot of our listeners maybe, um, a lot of people in other places around the world, we're finally seeing those are my people and we can do it. We can do something. We uh, have a, a capacity together, an agency together and a strength together. So. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to butcher this fully, but um, I might be getting the year and the person wrong. But as our good friend Kylie Jenner did say about 2019, <laughs> it was the year of realizing. And we've realized a lot of agency realizing here. Things. Yeah, we've yeah. realized a lot. So I think she predicted it well. <laughs> and moving on to 2020, maybe we can have a year of. A year of what? We're, well, we realized the agency we have. And now. Like, now we're going to flex it. Flexing. Oh, 2020, mm. we're going to flex. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, join us in uh, flexing your activist muscle, environmental muscles. Yes, flexing yes. your realizations in 2020. Yes. Yeah, flexing all your 2019 yeah. realizations. <laughs> On that note, should we talk into or jump into talking about resolutions for 2020 one of my like social ones i guess is um now that i've sort of like 
realized my <laughs> my agency and um, sort of like my power, I guess, um, is to really start like talking, like being a bit more confrontational with people. I think I'm super like conflict avoid all the mm-hmm. time, <laughs> especially with family or friends and stuff like that. Or, um, yeah, just sort of that extended family kind of. And there's definitely situations over the holidays where someone says something and I was like, oh, like, (laughs) no. But I was too, like, scared to say anything um, and just didn't want to, like, harsh the vibe or whatever. So um, but I think in 2020, I'd really like to um, just sort of try being like, why do you think that? Or just like, you know, try and start some of those conversations. Um, Because lots of the time when I don't say anything, I walk away feeling like bad. And I don't know guilty or whatever I'm like oh I should have said something um a missed opportunity to explore yeah something yeah totally so that's one of my social ones and we mean social environmental here like talking about why do you think climate change isn't real yeah cousin uncle yes who knows I won't (laughs) accuse (laughs) yeah I guess on my side thinking about resolutions this isn't a resolution this is maybe why I don't have one or why I'm confused about it is I think 2019 was a big year for me to kind of abandon. I've uh, in the past just being uh, environmentally aware or caring about that kind of stuff growing up and into, especially when you're in like high school or first year, like you're like, what am I going to do about this? And I didn't have like Greta yelling (laughs) on the radio or anything. So I was like, oh, Gail, stop using, I don't know, disposable cups and stuff, like things like that, very like individualized climate um, kind of activism. Uh, and then 2019, with all of this big collective action stuff, it was a lot of like, I'm abandoning the individualization law, which is like, I don't have anything against abandoning it. I think that is really good. But I do, I think like 2020 maybe is like finding this middle ground of being like, I do have this agency and just like for my own personal well being of like, I, yeah, not feeling like hateful towards myself all the time. I think like, like, yeah, you can abandon the individualization, but then you still do feel a little bit bad if you know that, like, that styrofoam cup isn't ever going to biodegrade. Like, you still feel bad holding it. So, yeah, trying to find this balance of, like, institutionalizing some individual changes or some collective changes in the groups I'm in without making those the focus of, like, this is what make or breaks you as an environmentalist, but just kind of more, yeah, more habitual changes. Mm. So I don't know what that really means for me. I'm going to re-enter individualization. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's an important part of change, right? Is that you use the cup if you need to. You need a cup. Forgive yourself for this disposable cup. It's fine. You didn't, like, fail as a person trying to create change for yourself or for the systems in society you live in. That's a key one, I think, to like recognize and remember. And that was maybe maybe that was one of my realizations last year that I've been like very comfortably practicing in 2019. Um, do the things you need to do so that you're well and can keep doing you know bigger or more engaged works, right? And just let it be. You're part of a system. You don't get to stop participating in the system to create change. There's that like quote that is ridiculous and I hate, but it's also so telling that like. The inventor of the combustion engine rode a horse and et cetera, et cetera. You know, you work with what you're at and where you're at and you move forward from that. So, yeah, totally. I agree. I like that a lot, Carter. My, okay, my two fall in the middle, too, similarly. Like, I have a individual goal of, like, less waste, which is so hugely systemic. Um, 
my big pet peeve is my dentist. I was just telling <laughs> both Carter and Hannah about this. And the like single-use plastics that my dentist gives when you leave the dentist, you get like a swag bag of plastic products or like a very small amount of products within a lot of plastic. And I'm just like, uh... I only go to the dentist twice a year, but it's one of those little things that I'm just like, okay, like this is just so much plastic that I take home in one go every time. I don't want it anymore. I want this stuff, but I'm like, hmm, can we change this? Can I maybe just start asking you if you can get a different type of toothbrush or something else? So like chipping away here and there. Um, but that kind of imperfectly working towards less waste or zero waste as an indicator of how you're engaging with or not engaging with systems is one that I kind of like and see as like a tangible and see some routes too. So that's one that I'm personally pushing myself for. Um, and the other is, um, so I really want the phone and email, just having my contacts for my um, representatives, my political representatives, so like my MLA and my MP, basically like on speed dial um, so that I can be engaging with them kind of daily and following up with them daily. That was something this last year too I started realizing like you can send those letters or those campaigns but like our honorable lieutenant governor has never replied to my emails uh (laughs) but you know my mp does and my mla does so let's keep uh sending them messages and being vocal in the forums that are maybe parts of those larger systems where you can where it is your role sort of as a person to push and say why isn't this on your agenda again why aren't you talking about this again why aren't you bringing this up again that's your job. I'm your employer. You know, I'm your constituent. Do what I'm telling you to do and keep like making that voice louder. So sort of amplifying those things that we're feeling empowered about or we're feeling we have agency around um, in a forum where maybe I don't believe in, I don't know if I believe in like the political system anymore, but it's one of those forums where I'm like, okay, you can easily send this email every day. Yeah. Auto send. Yeah. I think that's a fun thing about 2020 as well. You mentioned, like, the political system and, like, disheartening with it. 2019 was just, like, so, like, conventionally political because we had so many elections going on. And it's Mm -hmm. just been, like, just an overload of electoral politics. So it'll be fun to be, like, what is this activism and all these different things going on, like, look like in a not less political world, but in a more, um, like, like a more more real political world, not just electoral politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, holding those politicians to account now or being like, all right, you don't care. Then let's agitate. Then let's mm-hmm. practice our disobedience or let's challenge that. Like, we've got a, a large community together now to do that. So, Aww. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so going on from kind of this collective and individual change and resolutions, um, I guess we all have our individual ones here, but here at Terra Informa, we are planning on making some changes and coming up with some fresh new stories and takes uh, for the new year. So maybe if we want to go around, we can maybe say something we're excited about that we're going to try to focus on Terraforma doing going forward, or maybe a story idea, um, kind of anything around that. Um, I'm definitely excited to um, have, try and create some of the time to do some of those more deep dive stories. Um, there were, I think, some really good, um, especially at the beginning of 2019, like documentary style sort of episodes that we did here. And I'm really excited to um, just sort of like have this um, maybe a little more flexibility to take some time to do, um, yeah, a real deep dive and um, like do some like extra research and really like produce some of those really like intentional, well thought out 
episodes uh, for all you listeners. So, yeah, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I think more nuanced stories is something that I'm also excited about. One of the pieces I am really keen to bring in is more maybe people-centered stories. I know we're a, a show about the environment, but like people are everywhere. We're a critical part of our environment. You can't overlook us. So really centering people in the stories we tell about the environment and how we are interacting with the world around us is something I'm excited for in these maybe longer, more nuanced, more intentional sort of storytelling that we're, we're hoping to achieve this year. Yeah, I'm super excited for that as well. I think I would just reflect or yeah, on what both of you said. I reflect that as well. Very excited for longer form stories, some more intention. Um, yeah, 2020, the year of flexing. Flexing. Terran Tormus <laughs> is going to be flexing. <laughs> and if any of this gets any of you listeners out there excited and stoked, um, Terran Forma is going to be recruiting in the new year. So definitely keep an eye out. Um, we'll definitely announce any recruitment events we have here on the show, um, but also keep an eye out on our Facebook, um, our Facebook page. We're also on Instagram at Terranforma, so we'll definitely be um, releasing information on some of those fun events as we we plan them. So I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Thank you so much for uh, joining us in this wrap-up of 2019. Yeah, so thank you to our volunteer, Charlotte Thomason, for helping create this week's episode. Terranforma is entirely volunteer-run, and we survive because of generous donations to our host studio, CGSR 88.5 FM. Consider a donation to your local radio station to keep stories like this one on the air. We've been your hosts, uh, Hannah Cunningham, Elizabeth Dowdell, and Carter Grzitza. Thanks for tuning in, and catch us next week right here on Terra Informa. 